Well, good evening, and it's good to be back with you. And as we know, um, we're going through the book of Job. So I'm going to read from Job chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, uh, please have them open as we read together. So Job chapter 9. Then Job replied, Indeed, I know that this is true, but how can a mortal be righteous before God? The one wishes to dispute with him. He could not answer him one time out of a thousand. His wisdom is profound. His power is vast. Who has resisted him? and come out unscathed. He moves mountains without their knowing it, and and overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth from its place, and makes the pillars tremble. He speaks to the sun, and it does not shine. He seals off the light of the stars. He alone stretches out the heavens, and treads the waves of the sea. He is the maker of the bear and Orion, and Placides, and the constellations of the south. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. When he passes me, I cannot see him. When he goes by, I cannot perceive him. If he snatches away, who can stop him? Who can say to him, what are you doing? God does not restrain his anger. Even the cohorts of Rahab cowered at his feet. How then can I dispute with him? How can I find words to argue with him? Though I were innocent, I could not answer him. I could only plead with my judge for mercy. Even if I summon him and he responds, I do not believe he would give me a hearing. He would crush me with a storm and multiply my wounds for no reason. He would not let me regain my breath but would overwhelm me with misery. If it is a matter of strength, he is mighty. And if it's a matter of justice, who will summon him? Even if I were innocent, my mouth would condemn me. If I were blameless, I would it would pronounce me guilty, although I am blameless. I have no concern for myself. I despise my own life. It is all the same. That is why I say he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. When a scourge brings sudden death, he mocks the despair of the innocent. When a land falls into the hands of the wicked, he blindfolds its judges. If it's not he, then who is it? My days are swifter than a runner. They fly away without a glimpse of joy. They skim past like boats papyrus, like eagles swooping down on their prey. If I say I will forget my complaint, I will change my expression and smile. I still dread all my sufferings, for I know you will not hold me innocent. Since I am already found guilty, why should I struggle in vain, even if I washed myself with soap and my hands with washing soda? You would plunge me into a slimy pit, so that even my clothes would detest me. He is not a man like me, that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. If only there was someone to arbitrate between us, to lay his hands upon us both, someone to remove God's rod from me, so that his terror would frighten me no more. Then I would speak up without fear of him. 
but as it now stands with me, I cannot. Well, let's just pray. Our Father, we thank you again for this, your word. And again, we ask that you will just lead us through it, that we might hear you speak to us through these words from the book of Job. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this is quite a long chapter. And in this chapter, we see Job answering. Bildad. Now Bildad has spoken for the first time, and his words have brought no peace or comfort to Job. He's reached his conclusion, and it's based on a wrong diagnosis and a misunderstanding of God's justice. Bildad, who is seeing everything as being black and white, has said in the previous chapter, chapter 8, and the start of verse 20, Surely God does not reject one who is blameless or strengthen the hands of evildoers. First thing to consider is this. Job is suffering. Therefore, Bildad is saying, Job must be guilty. Secondly, Bildad is saying that God is just. Therefore, he would not let Job suffer if Job was innocent. Now, to put this in, in medical terms, this is saying that the right medicine is being offered in error to the wrong patient. And this is where Bildad is making his mistake. So why is it wrong of Bildad to say these things? Well, first of all, Job is innocent. And secondly, God does at times allow the blameless to suffer. For us, Jesus is the ultimate example of this. So within this book of Job, there are many lessons, and there's a lesson here for us as believers. You know, we can all say the right thing at the wrong time. And we can all say it to the wrong person uh, as we try to give answers to questions that we don't understand. The friends of Job, in response to his suffering, now instead of reassuring him, they're coming up with reasons to reprimand him and reasons to condemn him. So let's have a look at uh, verse 1 through to 3 and ask the question, is Job agreeing with Bildad? Verse 1, then Job replied, Indeed, I know that this is true. But how can mere mortals prove their innocence before God? Though they wished to dispute with him, they couldn't answer him once in a thousand times. You see, Job is agreeing with Bildad in as much as God will not reject the blameless. But Job has a problem because he knows that he is blameless. He's not saying he's sinless, but he knows that he's blameless before God. He knows that he doesn't deserve the way God is treating him. He's being treated in his eyes unfairly. But how can I protest my innocence? That's the question he's asking. Now, in saying this, we realize that he recognizes that he has no power to stand before God. And he's also acknowledging the power of God as he expresses the extent of God's power. When he can say, no one can defeat God. So we come to verse 4 
through to 10. And he sees here the greatness of God's wisdom and God's power. Verse 4. His wisdom is profound. His power is vast. Who has resisted him and came out unscathed? He moves mountains without their knowing it and overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth from its place and makes its pillars tremble. Just stop for a moment. You see, Job sees the handiwork of God and Job recognizes God as the creator. And then in verse 7, he speaks to the sun and it does not shine. He seals off the light of the stars. He sees that God is in control. He knows that. But in his poetic way, he is saying that God has taken the light out of his life. So verse 8, he alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. And Job's day, mention of the sea was a reference to evil. And Job is saying that God can tread down evil. He has the power over evil. Verse 9, he is the maker of the bear and Orion and Pleiades and the constellations of the south. You see, Job looks up to the heavens and he sees the things that he can see in his part of the world. He can see the bear and Orion and the other stars and constellations. He knows also that those that he can't see, those down in the southern part of the hemisphere, are there as well. So Job looks up. And he knows that God made the constellations, the north and the southern hemispheres. And then in verse 10, he says that he performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. And when we come to the next section, verse 11 through to 13, he's recognizing that God is invisible and that nobody can question him. Verse 11, when he passes me, I cannot see him. When he goes by, I cannot perceive him. If he snatches away, who can stop him? Who can say to him, what are you doing? God does not restrain his anger. Even the cohorts of Rahab cowered at his feet. I think we need to stop again for a moment as we consider these things. And in particular, think about Rahab. Now, here, Job is not talking about Rahab, the wife of Boaz. The word Rahab in Jewish folklore at the time of Job was a mythical sea monster representing evil. And they also saw the sea as being represented, representative of evil. And so Rahab would be the evil monster that came out of the sea. You know, I was thinking, I don't know about you, um, but going back to when I was a child, one of the things that the, our parents used to say to us if we were doing something that they didn't want us to do, they'd threaten us. With the bogeyman, I don't know that phrase you've heard. It's like, do that again and the bogeyman will get you. And that was one of the uh, mythical <laughs> things that parents used to threaten us with. But back to Job, and let's look at verse 14 through to 20. And here, Job is saying, I cannot take God to court. And if I could, I would not win. So the scene has shifted to a courtroom. And he says in verse 14, How then can I dispute with him? How can I find words to argue with him? Though I were innocent, I could not answer him. I could only plead with my judge for mercy, even if I summoned him. And he responded, I do not believe that he would give me a hearing. He would crush me with a storm and a multitude of wounds for, end, for no reason. 
He would not let me catch my breath, but would overwhelm me with misery. If it was a matter of strength, he is mighty, and if it is a matter of justice, who can challenge him? Even if I were innocent, my mouth would condemn me. If I were blameless, it would pronounce me guilty. You know, there's very uh, strong words here. And I think the words of this little section are words that will apply to the person who today will say, when I get to heaven, I'll just talk to God and he'll look at the good things I've done and the bad things I've done and he'll say, it's okay, you can come in. So there's a warning here for us in our day. But back to Job. Job, poetically, is seeing himself in a law court. And he's seeing himself with God as judge and jury. And as him being in the dock. So when we come to verses 21 through to 24, Job, in his reasoning, reaches a wrong conclusion. Verse 21. Although I am blameless, I have no concern for myself. I despise my own life. You see, Job is right about himself. He knows he is being treated unjustly, and he hates his life. Verse 22. It's all the same. That is why I say he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. So you see from these words, Job is wrong about God. And then he goes on in verse 23. When a scourge brings sudden death, he mocks and despises. He mocks the despair of the innocent. You see, God in his pain is thinking that God is mocking him because he knows he's innocent. And he's struggling with the fact that God will allow him to suffer. And he comes up with the conclusion that God is mocking him. The truth is God is not mocking him. We know that, but he doesn't. Verse 24. When a land falls into the hands of the wicked, he blindfolds its judges. If it's not he, then who is it? You see, he's recognizing the superiority and the authority of God. But he's saying, it's not fair. It's not fair when the wicked prosper. It's not fair when the innocent suffer. This is not justice. And it must be God who is allowing this to happen. He's actually right about this. But he's struggling with it. He's saying, it can't be anyone else. You see, Job is seeing God as being unjust. But he's also recognizing God's authority in his state of mind. His only answer is that God is an unfair judge. So let's ask the question, what will Job do? Will he curse God? Because this is what Satan said he would do. So let's go to verse 25 through to 31 as we draw towards the end of this chapter. Verse 25, my days are swifter than a runner. They fly away without a glimpse of joy. You see, Job knows the time is running out, and that's a pressure on him. Verse 26, my skin passed, they skim, his days, they skim past like boats of papyrus. 
like eagles swooping down on their prey. Although he's suffering, the days are going fast. He struggles with the nights, but the days are flying by. And he's saying, I don't know which way to turn. What can I do? What will he do? Well, let's go on. Verse 27. If I say I will forget my complaints, I will change my expression and smile. I still dread all my sufferings, for I know you will not hold me innocent. So, will he go into denial? Will he deal with this by ignoring that it's happening in the hope that it will go away? Verse 29. Since I am already found guilty, why should I struggle in vain? See, he knows he's innocent, but he's thinking he's found guilty. And he says, why should I bother? Why should I do anything about it? Why don't I just give in to it and give up? Verse 30. Even if I wash myself with soap and my hands with cleansing powder, you will plunge me into a slime pit so that even my clothes would detest me. So Job is saying here, do I have the power to heal myself? Can I make myself clean enough for God? You know, there's a lot of things here that we could discuss, but let's go on in this chapter as we look at them together. And we come to verse 32 through to 35. And Job is saying, my only hope would be this. My only hope would be if I could have a mediator. He can't do it himself. So he needs to look to somebody else. So verse 32. He is not a mere mortal like me, that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. If only there were someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together, someone to remove God's rod from me, so that his terror would frighten me no more. Then I would speak up without fear of him, but as it now stands with me, I cannot. You see, Job knows he can't do it himself. But he needs to put his dilemma into the hands of one who has the authority to stand in the presence of God and to plead his innocence before God. As we finish, I want us to finish with this little thought that we can take away with us this evening. There's so many things we can take away from this, and it's good to read it through again with what we've looked at this evening. But let us think about this. You see, for us today, we serve the same God that Job is serving. He hasn't changed. And we know that he is both a God of justice, he's a God of mercy. We know that he's a God of love and a God of grace. And we do have a mediator. This is true of us now. So to paraphrase Job's words and apply them to us as we have. Now listen to this. Someone to mediate between us and God. Someone to bring us together. Someone to remove God's rod from us. That's what Job wants. That's what Job needs. Job actually has somebody, God himself in his case. 
Let's just finish with the words of Paul to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2 verse 5. You know these words, but let's just close with them this evening. And let's praise God for it. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ, Jesus. Father, we thank you for this. And we ask that you might just encourage us as we look at this book of Job. We confess before you, we don't understand everything about it. But help us to take what you can give us, that we might be those who can be more of a comforter for those who need us. And that we, when we need comfort, will be comforted by those who you send to us. Now, Father, we bring these things before you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this is only part of what Job has to say to Bildad. And next week, as we go into chapter 10, we'll see what else he has to say. So we look forward to that next week.